We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another True Faith podcast. This is a As It Was, When It Was special. We are going back 34 years today, um, unbelievably, um, in a time where the world was a hell of a lot different and Newcastle United were um, a top flight team um, and going through a bit of a transitional period due to a change in manager um, during the previous year. I'm delighted to be joined again by Mick Wizen. Mick joined me last year um, to discuss football as a rule in the 80s following Newcastle United, uh, as well as discussing um, you know tragedies such as the Hillsborough disaster and the Bradford fire. So Mick, uh, glad to have you back on, mate. How are you, how are you keeping, mate? Uh, hi, well, I'm alright, yeah, fine, how's you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad at all, Mick. Um, we've uh, sort of decided to go for the 1986-87 season, probably... In, 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 in my terms, because it was the first season I really, really got into football and um, obviously started supporting Newcastle United, um, I was eight years old during that, uh, that that year and I hadn't attended any games. So this is where I'm bringing your uh, your knowledge into it because at that point, am I right in thinking you had been going for at least at least six years by then? Yeah, 79 was when I first started going. So yeah, it's open still. Six seven years type of thing, you know. Brilliant. Well, um, at the time, my my immediate memories of uh, nineteen eighty six was uh, the FA Cup final, which was the Merseyside derby. Liverpool beat um, Everton three one, um, and I was pretty much hooked um, on football from then. I, I hadn't really seen much of it. If a game was on, it was always just a background uh, background noise, really, um, and I wasn't really playing it as well. So that really got me hooked. Um, I had a soft spot for Gary Lineker because obviously he was the uh, the England's number one striker, and, and we had a relatively successful World Cup. And during that World Cup, I learned that uh, a certain Peter Bierzy was a Newcastle United player. Um, and at, you know, at that point, as I say, I'm a little bit of a, a novice at football, so it was no, 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 you know, mistake to support Newcastle United, especially with um, an England striker being, you know, in the media attention. What, what's your memories of the, the World Cup '86, Mick, if any? Yeah, the '86 World Cup it got off to a, a, a bit of an awful start, really. Um, obviously, uh, Bobby was the England manager. Um, he, he, he got told us from the, the media early doors um, maybe deservedly so because yeah. we got off to such a bad uh, start you know the, the old guard were in there Butch Wilkins um, Robson um, that was uh, I'm trying to remember how the game 
Uh, but there was one particular game, either somebody got sent off or somebody got injured, one yeah. of the old guard. Uh, and there was a quite a clamour uh, from the, the media for uh, to, to introduce Beyonce into the, into the, the, the setup, you know, because we right. seemed to be like, those people out in there, nothing, you know, and it, it ended up pushing with the words there. The ultimate game, which was um, the Poland game, when yeah. Beyonce came in, uh-huh. uh, obviously hit the, hit the ground running with the, the, the relationship between him and Lenny. Like you know, where they just clicked, like you know. Brilliant. I mean, at the time, I mean, you would have been what late teens. So eighty-six, so I would have turned fifteen that year. Right. So yeah, you're at the perfect age, and aren't you? You're at the age where you probably were, you know, a fanatic. Football was your life, I would imagine. Um, so, so going going into the the eighty six eighty seven season, obviously, Beasley's profile increased tenfold. Um, what, what can you recall any sort of discussions or any sort of you know rumours of him potentially leaving the club, or was it just business as usual? Well, the, th- the thing about them all is, I mean, we're, we're bang on about uh, Mike Ashley and, and Bloody Block. No, it was different then. You you you, you, you seen people like uh, what will come through, and anybody that had a little bit of something about them. You, you weren't keeping them. It's as simple as that. The, the club under McKeegan and that and same and same all. It yeah. might not have been as ruthless yeah. uh, as, as Ashley to you know to think of a word. Uh, but they either didn't have the money or they just weren't that interested in ever becoming anything. Right. So the idea to come away, come back in the World Cup, and to even keep them for one season was it was was like sort of a bonus. But mm-hmm. in your heart of hearts, you, you knew the way Piazzi was playing. Uh-huh. You know, he wasn't going to be hanging around much longer, and you were relying on pure loyalty of Peter Piazzi um, for for as long as he was going to stay. You know, and I mean, um, the writing was on the wall eventually. Well, well, the only time I'd seen Peter Biazzi was pretty much Jimmy Panini sticker album because uh, that that was that was as far as it got for me. But but obviously we've touched on his his um, profile at the World Cup increasing. But but bear in mind, I mean Newcastle, you know, looking at the the history, we we, um, we appointed uh, Willie McFall permanently that summer because he he got us to eleventh in the previous campaign. Um, you know, and when you think about it, he, he spent more or less around about £500,000. I'm, I'm going to remind you of some delightful names who we, who we signed during his first season. We, uh, we got Ian Stewart, we got uh, Billy Whitehurst, John Bailey, and God bless his soul, Alan Davies uh, from Man United. Um, so, you know, he took us from... Um, the, the, I'm going to say boredom. I didn't actually watch the football live, but obviously the footage in games I've got since suggests that Jack Charlton's football was a little bit, you know, long ball, direct, a little bit what made his name at, at uh, the Republic of Ireland. But what, what was McFall's style? Because... It, Am I right in thinking he built his team around Gascoigne, who was still only a teenager, and Peter Beersy? So was it was it exciting to watch, or was it a little bit much of what it was under Jack Charlton? Um, it's hard, it's hard to really describe it. Really, I mean, the football under Jack Charlton was pretty abysmal. But I won't lie, his football back then wasn't the greatest. Yeah. Sport, if you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, you play four four two a lot, and and and. and I think that's the way McFall tried to play. Mm-hmm. Um, I just always remember Jack Charlton going off the off on on one with Peter Piazzi for Piazzi using a bit of flair late on against Watford. Right. Uh, the the the, the basically won the game for in the last kick of the, the game, and he Charlton come on and, and went on like an arse basically. Mm-hmm. But um, McFall, for me, tried to do things right. Um, yeah, his signings, early signings were questionable. Uh, Ian Stewart. 
Come on, a bit, a little bit of a reputation on the back there. It was a bit like Wayne Faraday. Right. Jane is a good, a, a, a known player. Faraday was a good player, sure, yeah. Uh-huh. Jane Yang was hopeless. Yeah. You know? In short, it was very much the same. I think he scored a cracker against Man U. And it's probably the only thing that stands out for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. John, John Bailey had been brought in as a really successful player at Everton, you know. Yeah. He, he, was, he, was, he was an established good player. When he was coming to the twilight uh, of his career, basically, so he was steady. Um, and uh, the, the other ones you mentioned, I mean, Billy Whitehurst, um, yeah, he was a he was a hot carrier or whatever, and, and basically he was a thug. Um, right. And he had very little, little ability. Uh-huh. Um, or being a, like a bit of a target man, not the ball down. The same sort of player as what basically would have been the, the players Charlton wanted, um, your Cunninghams and your Rileys. Um, mm-hmm. Or he, he, he never hit it off with the, the Newcastle fans, obviously. Right. Well, understandable when you when you when you used to sort of Chris Waddle and Peter Piazzi and Paul Gascoigne, you know, like you see, you've just touched on Riley. Whitehurst was literally a replacement for uh, for Riley, and Cunningham was still floating around the club despite not really being a, a first. You know, he wasn't really a regular. Um, just notice as well, uh, look, look, looking it up before we 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 started the the, the chat. Um, he'd also brought in a fair few youngsters through the ranks. I mean, obviously we mentioned Gascoigne. But uh, Joe Allen had made his debut under Charlton, but he made a, f- a few appearances under uh, Mac Ford as well. Paul Stevenson and Rob McKinnon um, had had also broke for the ranks. So he was given youth, youth the chance as well, but he was, he was probably forced because, as I said before, we weren't really big spenders. 500,000 on bloody four players says it all. But, but going into the season, um, we got off to, a, you could say, a bit, of a, a bit of a rubbish start. I mean, looking at the, uh, the fixtures... Um, we lost with the first three at home, and we lost. Uh, sorry, we drew two or three away. Um, you know, but going into a game against newly promoted Wimbledon, Wimbledon had literally come from nowhere. Um, I'm, I'm led to believe, yet I'm, I haven't never seen it. We at the game, and can you recall the goal by Paul Gascoigne? Because I'm, I'm led to believe it was a little bit of an individual individual effort that one. Yeah, was it the game actually? Um... As I was for most of the season, uh, the home games, um, as you know, it wasn't it was a case you always had to have a ticket then, so you'd be on the gate. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, we obviously got a football start against Liverpool, but it was to be expected. Um, we had a, we got a, a half-decent draw with a late goal by Piazzi and Spurs. Drew and Luton, QBR, um, come and see him off, off, and so did, so did Sheffield Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So basically, we've got a, we've got a thump in the Congre as well. So led, led us into the game at Wimbledon, where by you know the mid, middle of September you're already like in a must-win game situation. Right. Um, Gascoigne did it. He scored an absolute <laughs> in, in a game that was like not a lot happened. Mm-hmm. Um, Gascoigne uh, was an individual goal down at the Leeds end. If me memory serves us right, I was in the, uh, the Gallagher. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a call from nothing type right. of thing, and uh, it was a much, much needed win. Um, I mean, you're talking crowds around about 20,000 uh-huh. more at the time, you know. Uh-huh. But, uh, it, yeah, the, the game itself was uh, pretty unremarkable, but it was a good goal by Gaston, yeah. It's just a shame that the footage isn't out there because um, I would love to have seen it because there's, there's a lot of goals during that sort of period where they just don't exist because of the, the media ban. Um, yeah. Or the media boycott, I would say, the previous season when the uh, the clubs couldn't come to an agreement with the television broadcasting. So there's there's a lot of lost footage, which is which is such a shame. But um, a couple of weeks later, you mentioned Billy Whitehurst in great detail there. Um, 
a couple of weeks later, you, you may recall we got knocked out of the uh, the Littlewoods Cup, as it was then, the League Cup, um, over two legs against Bradford. Now, Billy Whitehurst made the uh, the biggest mistake of his career, even though he probably didn't care. But um, he got substituted in that game. I don't know why you remember, but he got substituted. And um, he gave the, the Paddocks the V-sign on his way off. And within yeah. within a week, he was sold at Oxford United. Uh, yeah. Macfall basically said, "There's no going back now. You you can't, you can't uh, tell the tell the juries to, to basically do one." Can, can you remember that at all, Mick? Or is that just something which is doesn't really come to the the memory? Yeah, yeah. Well, we're two down from the first. Yeah. Bradford, and um, what happened? Um, when what? One um, at home. Now I always touch on this in the. Uh, in the, I have with you many times about the abuse that Paris used to give people and right. uh, they, were, they, were, they were vicious and, and yeah. I always say a lot of the time I'm sure then people in there just wanted something to moan about you know mm-hmm. um, the boys were on a new thing the, the Paris were, were, were terrible for it right. um, and I think basically what happened with Whitehurst I mean he had been booked in the previous few games that was his game you know mm-hmm. but there was very little talent there Um yeah, he was substituted on and basically gave him the V sign, you know. Mm-hmm. And in a way, I was a little bit of sympathy for him because they probably gave that lad absolutely dog's abuse. And to be honest with you, the way he was, he'd probably go and then knock about 10,000 them out, you know. <laughs> Aye, this is, this is, this is a bit surprise, but. But it's it's interesting because obviously Whitehurst being such a, a dominating force and you, you, no one would mess with him. They reckon he was the hardest man in football who's ever existed. Whether whether anyone can prove that's a different matter. But but Mac Four must have took some balls to basically tell him, look, we're going to have to get rid of you. You know, it's it's interesting when you think of the the stories about him. But my first uh, hero, which I'll come to in a minute, was a gentleman called Darren Jackson who came in from uh, Meadowbank. He came in a little bit like Perez a couple of years ago. He came in. The idea was to be in a development squad and to hopefully make uh, make him into a first division footballer. But within within a week or two, he was making his debut in, a, in a, another defeat at home to Arsenal. Um, but a week later, um, we go to Aston Villa, who were also struggling as well and would struggle the majority of the season. But I'm led to believe this is your first away game, Mick. Aston Villa, 25th of October. Um, can you can you take us through a bit of the day? You know how you travelled down, what the atmosphere was like, what was like being an away supporter. Yeah, of course. I mean, I'll quickly touch on the Arsenal game before I do. I, I uh-huh. just remember being right in the back of the scoreboard that day, and, and what they used to do in empties, they used to bring the um, the cars around the track at half time, and it was a very fashion, fashionable for people to hide coins at the cars, you know. And, right. One of my good friends decided that he would launch a, a ten minutes piece from the back of the Gallagher towards the the Minaries cars coming past, and there was a, a Paulus stood right behind him. Oh. He got nicked. <laughs> 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 absolutely slaughtered him for a mess in his face. He nearly died when the car put his hands on his back and he dragged him out, you know. But, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we, called, we used to nickname, nickname him the arrested after that, but, but yeah, <laughs> you know. But, uh, good stuff. Um, down the road, uh, way down in Villa. Um, very 
exciting. I remember stopping off at um, probably Weatherby, I would imagine. In, in the, I remember actually stopping and picking up top end of Durham, uh, Ferry Bridge area, picking Newcastle fans up there, and me thinking, yeah, me, you know, what, what are they doing getting on our bus, you know? But, yeah. Uh, heading on down to Villa, uh, pulling up in Aston Villa, and my first sort of, uh, sort of outstanding memory was the, the, the reaction of the police then. It was it was it was very much like you were hurting cow. Um, mm-hmm. They couldn't wait to be um, like sort of bossing you around it and sit where the boss and all used to have big canes and in the West uh, the West Midland police are renowned for the, the way they, they went on, you know. And uh, getting off that coach as a as a, as a lad that age, it was it was pretty it was pretty scary when you you listen to the police talking you like that and they're uh-huh. sort of surrounding you, threatening you if you start singing. Uh, you'll be, be banned basically. So, what took off the coach, uh, like a couple of sort of terrace streets away from the, the away end, and the coach has all sort of got off, and uh, the police are giving it this, and you know, we start walking down the street, and then uh, within about three three minutes, she's just like, <laughs> <laughs> the whole streets up, you know, and um, mm-hmm. the police just were, they tried their best, but they weren't, they weren't stopping it. A good couple of hundred Newcastle supporters singing all the way up to the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got into the ground, um, very, very impressive ground at the time. Uh, yep. Villa Park was always used for the semi-finals, and uh, the whole end was was a big, big cop. You know, it yeah. was a very impressive cop. Uh, the way end, the way end at the time was uh, a terrace behind the goal, yep. um, and the Villa fans were up above you. Right. You know, me, me, that always stands out to me was. That Newcastle end started that match with probably about 1,200 to 1,500 Newcastle fans in. Right. By the end of the match, I'd be lucky if there was half of that. Really? So, and it's always my main reason. <laughs> I've got no time for Villa. Even more than the obvious reason was there were blokes above us who never even watched the match and all they'd done was pointing out to the cars any Newcastle fan who it was near it was near it was near fireworks, it was near guy folks day and there was kids chucking bangers and stuff like that. Yeah. And the creeps spent all game just coming to Newcastle and lifting people. Uh, yeah. it was it was embarrassing, it really was. As for the football itself, um Steve Hodge, if I remember right, grabbed grabbed a couple of good good players, Stevie Hodge. Yeah. Um we had a canny spell in the game. Uh BRC had a couple of good little runs and what have you. But it pretty much petered out in the way. It's it standard defeat, really. But um, I wouldn't ask for trouble. Never seen anything really back on the bus and back up the road. But that was the start of it for me. You know, that was the the, the drug. Well, <laughs> just the suggestion, you know. Well, a, qu- a quick one on that. I mean, looking at the fixture list, Tottenham, Luton, the, the way fixture list. Sorry. Tottenham, Luton, Coventry, Norwich, Southampton. Before that, what I'm assuming was was it? Did you pick Villa out because of its location, or did you just think I just fancy going to away game? Was it planned, or how did that come about? Because let's be honest, we were rock bottom of the league, so it wasn't as if you were going to an away game, you know, watching brilliant football, winning football. So what what made you choose Villa? I can't really remember exactly. Uh-huh. When, when, you, when you look at the fixture list. A lot of these games, Southampton, Norwich, there were no goals. Coventry, Mavis, Spurs, Luton, you know, you know, for your first game. Yeah, long it, way. It just, it just stood out as a, a bit of a one. It, it, I, I don't know, I just remember me and the kids just getting together and saying, oh, I want to do this away game. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and that's the one that we, we chose. And uh, I can't really pinpoint why, but... Uh, 
it's, it's always been a popular game for Newcastle fans to travel in Manchester yeah. and Villa you know, and uh, the, 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 the way travel in at the time wasn't always as big as what it is now, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 1,500, 2,000 standard. Uh, that was times something's less and times something's more. Well, it, well, it was less than 15,000 present. And I would imagine at the time Villa Park possibly held nigh on 50,000. So that must have been pretty sparse. Little little quiz question for you, mate. I, I don't know whether you know, but um, a bit of a cult hero made his debut that day for Newcastle. Can you remember who it was? Peter Jackson. Well, now that you mention that, that, that does stand out. Yeah. Right? And, I, and I was a big fan of Peter Jackson. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Peter, yeah, yeah. Peter Jackson. Yeah. So, 12 games into the season, Peter Jackson, the new signing, as I mentioned, Darren Jackson had made his debut a couple of weeks beforehand. But at this point, you could tell there was there's going to be problems, mate, because at this point, we had used 22 players already in the league after 12 mm-hmm. games. You know, and then were the days when you could really go through a season using probably maximum of twenty. You know, in 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 the successful teams would have the same eleven in two substitutes um, throughout the majority of the season. So you could say it's a bit of a transitional period as well. Um, I always remember John Anderson saying to me um, a couple of years ago at a talk, and I had a big chat and that with him, and he said the reason why it it, it sort of was falling apart for Mac for so early is because a lot of the players who got him the job felt as if they were just discarded as soon as um, he, he got a little bit of money um, and they were dropped. So I think the impression John Anderson was given was the people that got on the job were sort of just pushed to one side. Um, and but, but that's football. That's football, you know. Um, so, so yeah, um, your first away game. And then a couple of weeks later, um, we brought a record transfer fee. Um, it's, it's, it's quite mad looking at it now because it was only 415000 but it was our club... Uh, record fee for Paul Goddard from West Ham. Now, uh, forgive me, mate, because I'd started getting into football, so I didn't really know much about Paul Goddard, if anything, before then. But he wasn't really a striker as such. He was more of a forward player, but he was he was out of favour at West Ham due to uh, the success of Tony Cotty and Frank McAvenny. But can you remember much about the signing? Can you remember, like, was there a bit of a wow factor? And I hate that term, but was there a, were you, was everyone excited or was it just a case of, OK, well, it's just a signing? I, can you remember much about it, mate? Not a, not a great amount. I mean, it, it seems to stick in my mind that Goddard must have, must have signed after we played West Ham at the, at the end of the November because I seem to remember him being in that West Ham side. So, uh, no, we're going to come to that. We will come to that. Um, yeah. But but, but, he, but, he, but he made his debut um, at Leicester um, and we got a 1-1 draw. And then the following week we drew with Watford um, 2-2. So... All in all, we're on a, an unbeaten run of three draw, uh, drawn games. And then we went to Chelsea. We beat them 3-1. And this is where a certain Andy Thomas, another um, yeah. recent signing for 100,000, um, yeah. he scored two and Peter Biazzi scored a, a, a typical individual goal. We won 3-1, yeah. which yeah. I'm led to believe was our last victory at Stamford Bridge until we beat them, I think, in the League Cup under Chris Hooten. Remember that one, 4-3? few years ago. Um, but yes, the, the West Ham game you mentioned um, was the following week. So it, it, Paul Goddard played for us. Um, obviously, it's live on TV, which was very rare back then. Um, we were picked for TV. But it, it's funny because, again, I wasn't there, but this is the game that got me absolutely hooked because I watched it on the Sunday afternoon. I think it was somewhat random, like a 2.15 kickoff. And I recorded it, and I've still got the tape to this day because 
it's a you know I'm not going to talk too much about the the result and the performance. I let you do that, but it was such a buzz. It's one of my most enjoyable games to watch back over. Um, but I'm relentlessly believe you were, were you in the Leasers end that day. You, you win the Gallagher. It must must be yeah, someone else who told us about court on camera. Yeah, and, yeah. I, was, I was in the scoreboard actually. That, um, I can touch back on the got all confusion there because just the other night I watched the, the eighty-five game when he played up here for West Ham. Right. So you are actually spot on because um, he did he did he did play in that um, four-nil game and Andy Thomas obviously who had just signed mm-hmm. uh, who had hit the, hit the ground running sort of thing. Uh, and I remember listening to the Chelsea game on the radio and it was a cracking win um, mm-hmm. and the SPS did score an outstanding goal um, but the West Ham game itself I mean I can remember the, like it was yesterday and it was freezing cold mm-hmm. um, waiting for the and shops to get the bus on a Sunday it was pretty rare you had Sunday games then right. um, and I remember getting the bus through and, I, and if I remember rightly nobody else fancied the game I went on my own and I went into my normal place and, the, and I was in the scoreboard right. um, and it was struggling for Basically, we had a good win the week before, yeah, but we had been pretty average, mediocre up until that point. Uh-huh. Um, and then this 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 miracle happened. Right. It really felt like a miracle when you were there because I remember I was just talking to school for weeks and weeks and weeks about it. And like you know, a lot of lads were there in different parts of the ground, and it was it was like a carnival. It really was. Um, and and one thing that always sticks out in a lot of people's mind is when the yeah bomb goes off and. I believe in the second half. And yeah, it shook, shook the ground, and, and honestly, it was like a bomb. But, uh, <laughs> it, it was it was just one of them games. I mean, West Ham were a good side. West Ham were a good side at that time, and mm. uh, they come up here and they really didn't know what to hit them. Like you know, um, it, it just everything happened. Every, everything just clicked for you know, and uh, it's an outstanding game to remember. And, uh, to be there, really. Well, well, you're right about West Ham because, as I mentioned before, they had Cotley and McAvenny up front. They finished third, and they were still within a, a very, very outside chance, albeit. But in the previous season, they went to the last game, weekend of the season, still with a chance of winning the league. Um, it, as it happens, it didn't happen, but it was that best ever league finish, third. And going into this game, um, they hadn't been beaten um, it, it, away from home. So there was still, you know, so for us to turn around and beat them 4 0 in front of the TV cameras, and, you know, as I say, I've watched it back on numerous occasions, and I, I recommend any Newcastle fan, to, if they haven't seen it, to go onto YouTube and watch watch either the, the clips I've put up or watch the full game because it, it really is a joy. You know, you, you watch the, the people in the benches who were the only, it was the only section of the ground um, where you didn't have the fences, and, you know, Every time something happened on that touchline, people were up waving, you know, dancing around, and, and that was even when it was nil nil. People, it, it was rare to be televised, so people wanted to be noticed and get on the telly, you know, which which is frowned upon now when you've got, uh, you know, media hungry uh, supporters who shall re- remain nameless. But um, but but yeah, it was just it's just a joy to watch. And one one thing that stuck out for me was the commentary, um, Brian, where God bless him, and uh, the co-commentator was Ron Atkinson, who wasn't long out of uh, the job at Man United. He had just been sacked, and uh, Fergie come in. So Ron Atkinson uh, commentated, commented, and he said, but Newcastle were tuning up, and he says, uh, we were winning here last season 4-1, and he says, and they pulled one back, and he went, it was like they had won the league and the cup combined. Uh-huh. He, he just says, these are the, these are the best um, supporters around. And he had just left Man United, you know, getting forty to fifty thousand. Um, but but yeah, I, I just it's one one thing that stuck out with me there is, is how well the fans come across, uh, how passionate it was, and, and ultimately 
you know, four 0 hammering on the telly. So, so, so good stuff. But, but yeah, going through the fixtures again, uh, we really started finding form here because, you know, we, as I say, we had three draws. We beat Chelsea and West Ham. Goddard got his first goal in a away game at um, at Charlton. Um, yeah, at Charlton, and uh, then we played Forest at home. Who again were a, a good football team on the on the club. <laughs> Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, as you say, the, the, the tenancers were sneaking up as well. We were up to 26,000, which in a 36,000 capacity at the time, it's nowhere near full, but, you know, we were hovering around the 20,000 mark at one point. Um, Andy Thomas, you mentioned, he's, he scored again in that, ga- in that game. Um, mm-hmm. And he, 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 I think he, what was it? He got six, no, he got seven, seven goals um, in five games because we're the, the somewhat forgotten about full members' cup, which... If, if I'm if I'm right and mistaken, became the Simod and then the Zen of Data Systems Cup, uh-huh. and now it's probably that one that the uh, the Mackham's got to the final last last season. If I'm, it's that sort of equivalent, isn't it? Even though, probably, uh, yeah, we lost at Everton midweek, didn't we? Thomas got a goal there. Um, that's right. Uh, Thomas was a funny, funny play. Never looked the most natural, but he just had a habit of being in there at the right time. Well, the close, the closest comparison with a modern day player, I would say, would would have been Kevin Nolan to a certain extent. You know, he he looked he looked lazy, but all of a sudden, bang, he, he, the ball was in the back of the net. So he he had a bit of a a purple patch. Um, but then it then it fell apart a bit, Mick. You know, we we stopped scoring goals. We lost eight out of the following nine games. And bear in mind, we had moved up the table to fifteenth after that Forest game. That was the season highest. But we um we, we slowly fell apart. Eight, eight defeats in nine. Um, he, he was bringing more players through the ranks. You know, we mentioned a few before, but Kevin Scott had made his debut. Who was at the club, give the club a good, uh, good six. Or, well, in fact, eight years service. Um, you know, Gary Kelly had uh, made his debut in goal. Uh, the likes of Jeff Wrightson, who I know nothing about, but he had he had come in. Tony Nesbitt had come through as well. Um, Ian Bogie, and also later on in the season would be would be Brian Tinian. So again, the the amount of players, a turnover of players. Um, used from the squad is is absolutely you know phenomenal. Really, you're looking at around about twenty six, twenty seven players for, yeah. throughout the course of the season. Um, so it, it fell apart, but you know, I suppose the fans were distracted because we had a bit of a, a, a decent cup run for a change. Um, you know, can, can you remember much about the cup run? Yeah. Um, we're, we're, we're due to play um, Northampton. Um, the, the normal 
was sort of cup weekend type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I remember rightly, it was uh, we had about two, two at least two weeks or a week and a half of like pretty bad snow. Yeah. So you are, you are. Um, if I remember it's right, well, you are more towards the back end of November before we actually played them. Yeah. Uh, they had a, they had a lad who was prolific called Ricky Hill, mm-hmm. uh, who was buying goals in all all over the shop down in the lower leagues and. Mm-hmm. and the press tried to build it up that he was going to go up here and destroy and, and blah blah blah. But um, we, we, we ended up like just sneaking past them to what, um, and then obviously pressing in the next round. I mean, do you want us to like sort of talk about the cup a little bit? Because uh, the, the, the pressing game, what sticks to mind about that? Uh-huh. Uh, that no, you continue. I want to be about thirty thousand that game, but I tell you what, the the Preston fans were amazing. Right. They took the whole they took the end, uh-huh. uh, and they played in 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 yellow, and they just spent the whole game just go yellow, yellow. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was in the paddocks actually, um, and, and I tell you what, they made they made some racket, um, mm-hmm. and I, I've never seen so many buses leave Newcastle in my life as when they when they left. I mm-hmm. always remember that because mm-hmm. uh, we walked down to the central station to get the the, the train by the Crom and. We've seen all that bus leaving. Um, but the, the game itself, we won 2 0, um, mm-hmm. pretty convincingly. Right. Um, and obviously, that, that then pops, up, pops us into the, the first round, which was the, the unforgettable. Well, we, 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 we touched on that in great. Well, we didn't touch it. We talked about it in great detail in the uh, the Hillsborough, um, you know, documentary sort of podcast we did last last year. Um, for those who haven't heard it yet, mate, do you want, do you want to just give a, a, a brief summary of, um, of, of of what happened on the on the terraces that day? Yeah, I mean, um, basically, the best way I can sum it, sum it up is, is it was. Hillsborough without the deaths, if you know what I mean, and, and I mean that in a, without yeah. any despite it was just very, 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 very lucky that there was no fatalities that day. Uh-huh. Um, the amount of Newcastle fans there was sort of pre one of the, the Met Police before we even travelled that it was going to be a huge amount. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a young guy, I'm, I'm, I'm in the early doors, uh, and only half the weekend was open. And already by half past one, two o'clock, it was becoming a problem, it was a crush. Um, the more, the more the lads were coming in, it wasn't a ticket game. Uh-huh. Uh, the older lads were also starting to come in, and it, it got to the point where I think I told you in the past, uh, I thought I was a goner. Um, yeah. I, I, I passed out against, against the fence at the front when we made trying to push the crowd back. Uh-huh. Um, the Newcastle fans took it upon themselves to basically battle the police to get the, 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 the gate at the back of the terrace open before we started getting through. And, you were talking right up till kickoff before the, the crush sort of eased, and we were halfway along the bloody shelf by then. You know what I mean? Yeah. The Spurs and mm-hmm. um, how how nobody died that day is still a mystery. I'm just thank you, lucky stars. Um, yeah, that, that it didn't become the Hillsborough, uh, you know. But the writing was on the wall that that was going to happen eventually, and, and big clubs with big travelling support, you know, were always going to be the the ones that were going to end up coming across. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it still makes me sick of this day that people are trying to get justice for what happened at Hillsborough, you know. But yeah. Very nearly, well, it was very nearly Newcastle United that you were talking about. It was, yeah, and, and as I say, if people haven't heard it, then, uh, you know, get in touch with and link you back to last year's podcast because it's, it's sort of been circulating again due to the uh, the 31st um, anniversary of the of the disaster. God bless their souls, Mick. Um, but but yeah, um, we we end up going out um, a, a debatable penalty. Richard Goff went over in the box. I think it was uh, I think it was was it Clive Allen scored the winner. He, he was on fire that season. Um, uh, I got the penalty. He scored the penalty, but it was never a penalty in the 
Yeah, yeah. So, so well, yeah. We're out the cup. Um, running battles you mentioned before. Again, I'll ask people to listen to the podcast. But running battles in the streets afterwards uh, with the, with the Tottenham supporters and um, rock bottom of the league out the cup going into March. Um, you know, a bit of a bit of a come down. Um, but but somehow, mate, we managed to to turn it around. As I said before, eight defeats and nine. But we, we turn it around with an amazing run. I mean, you you said you were going to the game, so you'll you'll remember more than me. Um, but you know, was there any standout before we discuss Paul Goddard, Was there any standout games in that run? You know, because we we end up winning seven uh, in drawing three of the following eleven games. Um, any standouts? Well, I mean, the, the run basically started with uh, a, a quite a tight win against um, Aston Villa. Uh, yeah, Piazzi scoring a, a lovely goal at the Gallagher end. We've got, a, we've got a really good draw at home against Spurs during the week. Um, uh-huh. Spurs obviously were a decent side at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a, a pretty standard win against Southampton. Uh, the same against uh, Leicester mm-hmm. uh, in consecutive weeks. One that stands out for me was a midweek game against uh, Norwich. Right. One win. Uh, a certain Mr. Bruce was in the Norwich team. All right. The Go on. Um, yeah. it, 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 it was a game played on a plough field, basically. It was... Uh, it was at the beginning of April, around all this sort of time, and uh, had been had a heavy winter and quite a, a wet spring. Um, but we turned up that night, and uh, Norwich didn't know what hit them that night. Like we really, really played well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in the Leeds end, I think, for that game. Mm-hmm. Um, well, with a couple of guys from school, uh, some lads from up uh, Ashton, we actually um, stayed for it. With and um, yeah, it was a uh, we really turned up that night and won. One hell of a run, they uh, really were. But this is when you were starting to see the the, the Goddard effect. You, it was really, really, really impressive, and, and you just seen his experience. He knew what he was doing, and, and it goes a long way to keeping us up that season. Well, you mentioned the Spurs game. That was the return of Paul Gascoigne. He had been out um, since, believe it or not, mate. His last appearance was uh, that uh, week after the, the Villa game. You went to it was uh, at home at Oxford, a nil-nil draw. Gascoigne got injured that game, so he was he was basically lost his services for nigh on four months. But Gascoigne come back that game. I do remember watching the highlights, and he had a bit of a uh, a bit of a, a set to with Paul Allen, the Tottenham player, during uh, during the game. As you see, we've got a, a good one-one draw against against the Tottenham side, who you know had knocked out the cup a couple of weeks earlier. They got to the cup final, they got to the League Cup semi final, and, and they were challenging for the title with uh, the likes of Everton and Liverpool. So as you see, a, a great result uh, that Norwich game. Um, so how did, how did it pan out? You, you, you know the score, the scorers. Can you remember much about the game? And and obviously, as we mentioned before, attendances were jumping up again. Um, the, the better that we, we were doing, the more people started turning up. Yeah, um, Norwich took the lead in that game. Kevin Drinkwell scored. Yeah. Uh, Because I remember Gascoigne having a run in the, the 
following season with um, with Mirror uh-huh. in, a, in a game against Monaco. Uh, so I think the players sometimes get very frustrated by Gascoigne because he always wanted to sort of do that extra him. But what a talent and such an honour to see the lad break like break through into the into the into the team, you know. Um, yeah. It really was good, you know. But uh, as for the Norwich game, yeah, it was always a standard win to be honest. So after the Norwich game, we're up to the dizzy heights of 18th, and uh, I think it was was it I think it was 20. Yeah, it was. It was 22 uh, teams. So we weren't safe as yet, but um, we got a, a decent result at Oxford, who were, who were you know were were clear of relegation at that point, and then uh, we we goes to Arsenal midweek, and who had just won the Littlewoods Cup, and uh, it, it astounds me that they had just won the cup. They were challenging, still with an outside chance of the title. And uh, only 17,000 turn up, but we go down there in a midweek game and beat them 1 0, thanks to, again, Paul Goddard. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, but the, follow, the following game, um, Easter Saturday, Manchester United, who were around the bottom with us up until uh, probably Christmas time. They hammered us 4 1 on New Year's Day, I believe. And um, what, 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 what's funny about this, we've touched on this before in regards to uh, official attendances. The official attendance is thirty-two thousand seven hundred and six, but no way. but the, yeah, but the, well, that's what I'm saying. But the match report suggests that five to six thousand were locked out. So in a thirty-six thousand capacity, you explain that one to me, Mick. But uh, but again, people people have spoke about this game. Um, they reckon that there was a lot of violence around the city that day. A lot of Man United fans were in town. Great support. Um, but can you remember much about the game, Mick? Uh, Man United at home, Easter Saturday. say that and Goddard you know Gascoigne had come back and it's no coincidence they may have had a scrap against Southampton on the pitch um, as you mentioned before but that, that that winner against Man United was the seventh game in a row he scored which I believe could be a post-war record I, I think Ferdinand might have levelled it CCA possibly it's 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 a quiz question out there I, I'm, I should have really double checked but he, he certainly equaled it that day I know that Um but seven, seven in a row, which, you know, to be fair, I mean, he didn't get off to the best of starts. I think he only scored two or three goals um, for Newcastle before then. So to get seven in a row, um, you know, him and Gascoigne, you know, I'm not going to devalue the rest of the players, but him and Gascoigne literally dragged her by the, the scruff of the neck and, and, and got with award safety. Um, so so fair play to Goddard. What, 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 just sum, summarise Goddard, mate. What, what, was, what was he like as a player? 
experienced professional, I would say. Yeah. He just, he just had a, again, a happy knack of just like, never looked the most like graceful of players. Again, he, he would do the rough and tumble. He wasn't a big lad. Um, mm-hmm. He just, just knew where the net was. You, yeah. You, you, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll beat Man, Man United um, with a massive crowd there. Um, you, you will get a thumb in the van, and then you've got Chelsea coming up a, bit for a week or so later where because of the crowd congestion of the Man United game the, those other boys decided it would be a good idea to stick the Chelsea game as an old ticket game ah right uh, okay there was, was a massive massive drop in the crowd because it wasn't always convenient for people I mean I had to get through from Cromerton to go and queue for tickets and a lot of people just wouldn't do it right um, but God all won that game for it and that, that game sticks out my mind because I knew when we won that we had to go and get a point at West Ham. That was uh, it, yeah. And, 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 and that made us safe. And I mean, the West Ham game's famous for the, uh, the Anderson sending off, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to mention that because... Um, this was this was an age where my memories is all with uh, if Newcastle were ever on the highlights on the, it would have been the big match back then. I think match of the day just covered the FA Cup, whereas the big match on ITV, if Newcastle was selected, you, you had to tune in. And I remember, obviously at this point I was still only eight years old, but when when Newcastle were on, I would uh, stay up late deliberately in my bedroom and sneak my television on to watch it. Um, you know, and it's it's. I'm not ashamed to say this. It was a black and white little portable television in 1980 in 1987, and and I always remember watching the highlights. Can't remember much about um, the, the the fighting or the the trouble on the terraces, but you know, delighted to get a hold of a copy of it in later years and watch it again. Um, it looked as if we were absolutely battered them, to be fair. Um, you know, but we only had a one 0 lead through uh, a Neil McDonald penalty. Then I think it was Mark Ward scored. But then later on, as you see, uh, John Anderson got sent off, I believe, for foul and abusive language towards the linesman, and then and then uh, it it all just kicked off in the in the UN, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was just a massive surge for. I mean, I wanted to get a hold of the linesman basically because I've been leading so long during the game. Uh, what scored later on, if I remember right, um, and I, I just think we felt like we've been done over, you know. Like, yeah. I mean, Johnny Anderson was always could be a bit volatile. Yeah. You know, he had his moments, Johnny Hotshot, as I used to like to call him. Um, but it just, it just incited the crowd, and uh, that was a big. Like, I saw his mum, I just hearing, Jory Agro, Jory Agro. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, the most surging forward. But I think um, it, it got quelled quite quickly, I think. It was just people just. It, it, was, it was not usual to say that sort of thing then, you know, people used to really react. Uh, <laughs> more violent times, you know, yeah. one of the young fellas to this. Fortunate enough that they, they didn't, um, they won't have to really see that sort of stuff. And it was quite commonplace to say that in a football ground as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fantastic, mate. Well, well, the uh, the Chelsea game you mentioned, um, I'm led to believe was the last. Uh, sorry, it was the after the Chelsea game, the the start of demolition, um, the demolition of the old West Stand. Obviously, with the with it being wooden and it being a, a, a serious hazard, they started uh, chipping away at that. But still, twenty nearly twenty seven thousand turned up for the last home game of the season against Charlton. I mean, we got absolutely battered three 0 off a side who ultimately would finish below us and just stop up. Um, in the in the old playoff system, which I'll, I'll remind uh, yourself, but the, the the listeners, the playoffs obviously in the format now is just the the third of the sixth place teams in the, uh, the, the well the, the championship. Back then it was the the third, fourth, and fifth, and also the fourth bottom of the uh, of the top flight. So Charlton would have ended up in the playoffs. 
Um, but they would have went down um, if they hadn't beat us. But they absolutely battered us that day, three nil. Um, I've seen, I've seen, I haven't seen footage, but I've seen pictures. Peter Biazzi was presented at the crowd because I think it was probably common knowledge he would be on his way, um, on his way then. But last game of the season, Mick, um, Nottingham Forest away, we, we were safe. Um, but it's probably more memorable for incidents off the pitch um, than, than on it, mate. So take it away, mate. What, what happened that day? Because it was an, it, was this your second away game? Violence, but to actually experience it first first hand as a as a sort of fifteen year old kid, um, yeah. some of that doesn't like disappear. Um, yeah, well, there was a group of us from school went down and were on the back of the back of the coach heading down the year one. Um, as we're heading down on the coach, uh, we got just outside of um, Sheffield, I believe, and. Um, there was a car behind with some older lads in. Um, so that was a little bit of to and fro with this car because they put up a little sign at the window saying Borough. Uh, I believe Borough had a, a game in the, in, the, in that same region that day. I can't remember who against, but these, these lads, and I'm talking these would have been lads in probably late 20s, early 30s. Um, and they put Borough, a sign of Borough. Uh, so that was a bit to and fro going with our lot on the back of the bus. I mean, you bear in mind we're 15, 16 year old. Yeah. Um, but it was quite friendly, it was good nature. But it only, it only takes one day to spoil everything. Uh, and one of the kids on the back of the bus, because the lad driving the car uh, was, 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 a, was, a, was a, a black lad, one of them decided to start the, the races, carry on. Right. But sure that started because of the way I am politically, I just sat down. I, I, I was out of it. I didn't want nothing more to do. I thought it was. I thought it was rubbish, it was unnecessary, watching as a, a bit of good nature carry on changed. Well, what happened then was um, these guys, they changed their mood and they started getting screwdrivers and that out and seeing that they were going to, you know, do win. Yeah. And by this time, I see I'd sat down, I wanted no part of it. And all of a sudden, I just remember, like the lads going, oh shit, they're getting out. These lads got out of the car, about five of them got out of the car. And I was on the back seat of the bus in the corner. And one of them come round to mine and it was an emergency escape window and he tried to pull the wind the, the handle from the outside and there was an old beer match stuck in to keep the door the window shut right and i remember the, the ferocity on his face so i kind of kill with like right um and i remember i just looked at him and he looked at me and it wouldn't come up and then the, on the other side was an emergency exit door and the man was to get that open and i just remember one of them getting on the bus and one, one of these lads on the back of the bus just absolutely booted him with his foot straight in the face and this kid went flying off the bus. Um, <laughs> and our bus started pulling away and we got the door shut. But what happened next was 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 terrifying because these borough lads were at it by then, like, you know, the, the wanted blood. Mm-hmm. And they went over to this little yellow hire van. I always remember it had an ace hire on it. And the, the, it was a boiling hot day, and I was in the passenger had his window down. He must have been saying, "Hey, what are you doing?" And he punched through the the open window in this Newcastle uh, fan. Um, and then all of a sudden, the back door still open, and, and there must have been it seemed about thirty people got out of the back of this van. And I've never seen like, people get booted the shit like what these borough fans. There was there was cars just stopping all over, and they were all Newcastle. Oh, all Newcastle fans getting out, and these borough lads. Never mind, they didn't really start this. Um, yeah. I would hate to think what actually happened. It would have been a bloodbath. 
and it set it up perfectly for getting down to the city ground because boiling hot day, not a particularly big crowd. Mm-hmm. We had a good a good section in the corner. Right. I think you may thought is in the past there uh, when, when you got tune fans clambering up the um the the, the floodlights. Yeah. Um, I'll share them with the, I'll share them on the pod, mate. I'll, I'll make sure they're, they're visible because they're great pictures. Uh, yeah, I used to take them on this camera with us at the time when I first started going to away games, you know, what quality and half them are vandalised and people have rolled on them and stuff like that. These four sport. That one's pretty clear. And um, that was a very, very volatile atmosphere. It was a bit of a party atmosphere. I mean, people are forgetting about the Charlton game. We knew we were safe. It was a Newcastle United type result that. Going close to Forest, we lose the game. Um, but what happens at the end is interesting because you knew in that Newcastle end that the Newcastle fans they, they wanted bother, they right? Wanted, they, wanted, they wanted confrontation, and uh, towards the final whistle, they were massing at the front. The week before against Charlton, we had invaded the pitch at the end, and it became a bit of a common thing for a couple of seasons. Yeah. Well, these 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 like down in Forest were a different breed. There was a lot of heat about there. Right. Um, final whistle goes. They're over the barriers. Please can't stop them. But what we didn't expect was the trend end came on at the same time. Right. And as, as the trend end came on, and they sort of, sort of ran towards each other, they, when they got closer, the trend end must have realised what, what they were dealing with and they absolutely shit their pants. And I've never seen people turn around and run run so fast in my life. It was, I was just, I stopped in my place, I, I stood on the terrace. But these Newcastle fans were after blood in the chase. I remember you could see behind the trend end, it was only quite small, and you could see them piling out of the stadium, they were shitting themselves. But what then happened was, as the Newcastle fans turned back around, um, the, the, the idiots in the Forest main stand, uh, it would have been that, the likes of that Scarrett and all them, who were well-known names at the time. Right, okay. They were on the pitch, and uh, they, they, they had blades, and that was uh, Newcastle fans coming back to the Newcastle end, absolutely dripping in blood. Um the, the numbers from Newcastle fans was far too great. They would have, they would have steamrolled these Forest fans, but the police were on the horses and everything by now. But that was a good few Newcastle fans got slashed by their, their lot, um, and that's the way I remember that happened. And it was it was a very 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 violent um, day coming out after the game. I'll be honest with you, once we got out of Nottingham, I was like, oh, I'm pleased about that, like yeah, you know? yeah. And I remember getting home that night and thinking. My goodness, well, you know, it's only my second, second away game in there. Is this what it's about? Like, you know what I mean? It was, uh, it was pretty scary. Well, I mean, I've only seen, I've got, I've got the goals, I've got them on YouTube, but there was no footage, unfortunately. Fortunately or unfortunately, whatever you, whatever you want to say, but I think it's always interesting to, to see what, what it was like back then, and it would have been interesting to see the uh, the footage of the, the pitch battles, shall we call them. But I, I've, I've seen uh, newspaper clips, it made uh, the news of the world, it probably made more Sunday papers, but it made that the next day, pictures, as you say, if supporters were blood dripping off their heads. Um, so a bit, a bit of a... Bit of a, a shameful way to end, end, which ultimately was a was a, ended a good season, you know. Um, you know, we end we end up finishing seventeenth. Uh, um, we're safe with three or four games to spare. Um, you know, Paul Goddard had uh, had you know d- done the business in the end, uh, but we still had that risk of uh, of losing losing Peter Biazzi, which is a perfect time to to end this podcast there, Mick, and we can always follow on. 
um, with the 1987-88 season at a, at a later date. Is there is there anything you can you can say to summarise the season, Mick? I know you were you were 15 strokes, 16 first away games. Um, is anything is it a memorable season for to you, or is it just one what you look back and go, yeah, it was pretty rubbish overall? What, what what's your thoughts? Perfect. That's a, that's a great summary, mate. And as always, appreciate it. Um, delighted to have you back on board, mate. And we won't leave it as long uh, next time, mate. That's for sure. Um, we've got a lot of time on our hands, fortunately or unfortunately, however you look at it. But we've got a list as long as we're arm of stuff we want to talk about. So the listeners will be hopefully um, intrigued with what we've got to r- remind them of. Um, so for now, Mick, thanks very much. And no doubt we'll speak again very soon. Yeah, look forward to it, Mark. Thanks very much. For thanks, mate. Cheers, mate. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.